0: Hello, welcome to the Friday, September 1st, 2017 edition of the Sands and Storm Centers Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich and today I'm recording from New York City, New York. Tom wrote a diary today about having security operations center workers working remotely. This is an issue that does come up when there is a major natural disaster like we had this week. A disaster like this can make it difficult or impossible for workers to travel to the office. And having a geographically more distributed workforce makes it less likely that all of them are affected by a single event. We had some good comments to the post, so if this is something that you're considering, take a look and see how others are feeling about this, what the pros and cons are. Personally, I think there should be at least an option to work remotely. However, in a SOC environment, there may be advantages to having actually everybody in a room most of the time and Germany's Federal Information Security Office has completed a review of the latest Linux kernel's random number generator. Random numbers of course are very important for security in particular for encryption. The review was satisfactory stating that the kernel actually uses more entropy than it states. These reviews have been done for Linux since 2012. Historically the Linux kernel actually used SHA-1 to mix the entropy pool and to further randomize the data it collects but in recent kernel versions starting with 4.8 this has been replaced with the ChaCha20 encryption algorithm which is considered stronger. The report also lists the sources of entropy like keystrokes, disk events and the like. The study also conducted some tests by collecting random numbers and check how they actually turned out. Overall, more than 100 pages to this report, so too much to cover in this podcast. But something that if you don't read it cover to cover is definitely worthwhile to sort of skim over. And Adobe released another update for Adobe Acrobat and Reader. This hotfix release not only fixes a functional issue that was introduced in the latest monthly patch that was released in August 8th, but it also patches a vulnerability that was supposed to be addressed in the August update, but wasn't fully patched back then. And then we have a story that I originally covered last year that has come up again. Researchers at the Ben Gurion University have released more work showing how headphones and earphones can be turned into rudimentary microphones. There are two pieces to this exploit, really. First of all, microphones and speakers are somewhat similar. A microphone picks up motion from a vibrating membrane and turns it into to an electrical signal, often by vibrating a magnet inside an induction coil. Uh, sp- Speaker, on the other hand, uses a current in just such a coil to cause a magnet, again, that is attached to a membrane to vibrate. So, in a speaker, if sound happens to cause the membrane to vibrate, a small electrical signal is generated. Just like in a microphone, as long as no amplifier is integrated into the speaker, that signal can actually be picked up via a speaker jack. Now. Now active speakers with amplifiers would not allow the signal to reach the input jack. Headphones however usually do not use amplifiers and could be turned into a microphone this well. Now, in itself, that's not really a big i uh, big deal. Speakers are connected to speaker ports, and microphones are connected to microphone ports. Well, until Intel introduced its high definition audio specification, which allows for speaker and microphone's jack to be remapped via software. The researchers that wrote the paper they came up with some software to take advantage of this fact, and they also measured the audio quality that you do get in your standard headsets speakers of course are not designed to be used as microphones but according to the measurements released by the group the quality was sufficient to be able to make out conversations they were also be they were also able to use the stereo headphones so both headphones in order to actually get a better signal these software controlled chipsets can of course also be used to bypass simple tricks like plugging a dead microphone plug into the microphone jack to disable the microphone. Okay, it's Friday again, and as usual, we have now a special interview. Uh, Today I have, again, an Internet Storm Center handler, and I have uh, Xavier here uh, with me. Uh, Why don't you
1: introduce yourself a little bit? Hello, everybody. So my name is Xavier Mertens. I'm from Belgium, so you can hear this with my very nice English accent. So I'm now a handler at the IC, I think, for a little bit more than one year. I think that I'm quite active because I like to write a lot of stuff on the Internet. I have a blog for years and I like to share you know, what I'm finding, what I'm doing regarding the internet security in general. Regarding my day-to-day job, I'm a freelance, so I'm just a security consultant like a lot of people listen to, the, to this podcast, I think. And uh, basically, I think that 80% of my time is doing sock job, so working in security operations center for big customers. And so I'm doing some investigation, some hunting, improving the way they, my customers can detect intrusions, react Now, a
0: lot of your diaries lately have been about uh, malware analysis and uh, looking at new samples. Anything that sort of stuck out or any technique that you recently
1: found uh, quite useful? It's always evolving Uh, and that's very interesting, I think, because you never know what you will find. I think that I'm a lucky guy because uh, first I operate my own infrastructure and I'm collecting a lot of spam, a lot of stuff, so I get a lot of new samples every day. But I also have access through my customers to very big worldwide uh, networks. And of course, I'm also detecting a lot of stuff. So it means that I have a very nice source to investigate. What I I will say is changing all the time. When an attacker, they they don't use always zero days or very new techniques. It's always, it's it's like the mode, it's always a recurring. Uh, way of working. So they use from time to time very old techniques which still works unfortunately because the classic issue people don't patch people don't maintain the network and uh, so it's always changing and For example, the last diary that I wrote was about RAR files, uh, RAR files with auto IT stuff Auto IT based malware is not new because I think that I found references via Google up to two or three years ago. So it's not brand new, but it still works today and that's a big issue.
0: Now, Internet Storm Center, of course, is big about information sharing. That's sort of really what you're trying to do. You, as a freelancer, do you find that in your role working with different companies that you also do a lot of information sharing versus something that you learn at one company, you sort of bring uh, to
1: another customer of yours? There are two different aspects. The first one is that for one of my customers, so I'm not working full-time for a customer. I, I don't want to work full-time for a customer because working different environments different structures different type of networks different user profile you can share between customers if they agree but you can also come back to the customer every day every week and say oh by the way without giving because from time to time you cannot disclose, but you can say, oh, by the way, I found this kind of attack, I see this, I see this, we should maybe take more time to investigate this way of detecting this kind of event. So it's also, uh, I think, a plus for my customer because I can share what I'm finding across the multiple environment that I'm working on. That's the first point, but also the second one, Unfortunately, from time to time, I'm not able to share because it's prohibited, because it's classified material or dangerous stuff. And some customers don't want to share this across the Internet or even across Trusted groups.
0: One interesting thing I always found is in talking to you, talking to Didier, there seems to be a high concentration of real great security people in Belgium. Originally, we had Swa Fransen uh, mm-hmm, work as a handler. I think he introduced you, Didier, and Didier. Uh, to to the group. Uh, Any reason why Belgium is so active here, or is this just an abnormality
1: with Storm Center? I think that there is nothing different in Belgium. First, Belgium is a very small country, of course, so it means that everybody knows each other. That's very important. So the security community in Belgium is very small, So we have different groups and like in every country we have the different chapters, we have the OWASP chapters, ISACA, ESSA and you always see the same faces because it's always the same people going to the same event so we share a lot, that's the first point. Belgium is also known to have a lot of big companies around Brussels. For example, you have all the European institutions, you have the NATO headquarters, you have very big companies because Belgium is in the center of Europe. We are close to almost every country. You can travel very easily. So I think that it's also a plus because we can have access to nice infrastructures,
0: which actually sort of comes back down to in part information sharing. You know, if you have this tight community, uh, information sharing is kind of easier because you know you are more likely to trust each other if you regularly meet up and
1: uh, and interact. Or... It's very important, exactly. For it's very easy, and but it's also. Very important to know somebody in a specific infrastructure, in a sock, in a CERT, you just pick up the phone or you use an instant messaging, you use even Twitter and you can just contact people. You always have, you always know on which door you have to knock to get access to, not data, but at least to have a first step in investigation and to, to find some help here and there. So that does, that's very important.
0: Now, uh, what are you working on right now? Anything sort of uh, what's next kind of for you? Uh,
1: what I'm trying to do is that So I, I'm always trying to prove my knowledge first because it's always evolving and we need to keep our knowledge at the, the highest level as possible. I'm not a very good guy in doing some kind of prediction what will happen in the future. and uh, What I'm seeing in most customers is that the basic security improves. So they have the classic stuff to protect the customers, the users against the the basic infection. So for example, all the samples that I'm analyzing uh, every day those samples they are just catched by security solutions I will not provide names I will not provide product name vendor name but because it can be a commercial product it can be an open source product a lot of those emails are catched very quickly so I think that the the attacks will become more and more deep or more and more difficult to catch and we really try to get some money and to affect the business of, of the customers I'm always trying to build some trust between products and that's also some Something that I like to do. Uh, a big issue today between the different security solutions that a, com- a company may deploy to protect the, the users, all those systems, they are working independently. So you have a firewall, the firewall detects some stuff, then behind the firewall you have an IDS, you have maybe a malware solution, you have a proxy, you have plenty of stuff. And all those tools, by default, they are working silos. So it means that they are provided installed by a company and this company don't, don't want to share information because that's their business and it's okay it's my solution i'm doing my best to protect the customers but all those systems they can talk together and they can change information because all those systems usually they have apis they are open you can automate stuff using command line using script using python interface and I think that it's the goal for future is to really make those, all those systems told together to improve the detection as soon as possible and also maybe to share with other systems and improve the detection for maybe companies who don't have the same level of expertise. So a, a very nice tool. I think it's most uh, used in Europe. I don't know if a lot of companies use them in, in the United States. It's MISP. So Malware Information Sharing Platform developed by the the Circle in Luxembourg and this tool just allowed to share IOCs across organizations. So if you can extract and automate all those processes to put IOCs in MISP if other companies have access to MISP, it's very great value because they get IOCs between quotes for free and they can use them and improve also their detection. I would like to go in the, in the future more and more in this direction to really share and improve the detection.
0: Thank you very much, Xavier, for joining me here today. That's it for today. Thanks and for listening. Due to the Labor Day holiday here in the United States, the next podcast will be on Tuesday. Bye.